listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Your faith is going to another level, and tonight's going to be no different. Tonight, I'm going to give you these five things, five biblical facts about COVID-19, and these need to be heard, especially in the uh, moment that we're living in now, when there are still people speaking fear, doubt, and unbelief, we speak faith. We always speak faith. Why? Because we speak God's word. We always speak faith because we speak God's word. And so I want to I talk to you about this tonight and give you these things. Maybe I'll put out a version somehow, like a digital version of these five things that you guys can share because they are encouraging and they need to be shared around uh, social media. So maybe I'll make an Instagram version or, you know, uh, even a video. Maybe I'll just make a video that you guys can share because I think that would be probably the most dynamic way. Just a short little 30 second video listing these five things and giving the scripture verses behind them. But you can, you can share them that way. But this broadcast right now, share it. Take a minute to share it because this needs to be heard by anybody that's out there who's battling a spirit of fear needs to be heard. So I want you to open your Bible with me. I hope you have your Bible with you and we're going to get into these things and uh, I'm going to give you biblical precedent for all five of these things to understand uh, what the Bible says about it and how you can deal with what people are saying because it never fails. Let me just say this. It never fails. When something happens like this or, you know, something goes on, there's always people that get out there, Christians I'm talking about, that get out on social media and start to say things that are completely unscriptural, completely unscriptural. And as a result, uh, you know, it causes people to either be discouraged or afraid or worried, whatever it might be. And they get, they get out and start saying stuff that has nothing to do with scripture Nothing that can be easily debunked by just opening up a Bible and reading what the Bible says. Literally, that's all it would take. People opening up the Bible and reading what the Bible says. And that's what we're going to do tonight. And I'm going to say five things to you that are going to build your faith in a big way as you're, you know, as we're going through whatever this is and however long it's going to last. They keep listing different dates. I'm believing we're getting out quickly in Jesus' name. And I know people are like ready to, so let me, somebody, somebody sent me this today. I got to read it to you because it made me laugh. <laughs> somebody just sent me this. Let's listen to this. It said, well, we're two weeks into our isolation due to COVID-19. My wife is at the window staring with tears running down her face. It breaks my heart to see her this way. I guess I could open the door and let her in, but rules are rules. <laughs> I got that today and it made me laugh. (laughs) I'm going to give you, it's just, it's true. You know, people are, people are like going stir crazy. You know, people are rediscovering their families coming off of their devices, rediscovering their wife and husband, actually talking to people. It's amazing. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, But I want to give you these five things and stir up your faith tonight. So open up your uh, Bible with me and I want you to, I want you to deal, we're going to deal with these five things one by one. And uh, if you're helping me out in the comments section by posting notes and scriptures, post each point as well. Post, 
post each point as well for, for people that go, uh, go back through the broadcast. Welcome to all of you that are listening also on the podcast. want to welcome you as well. Number one, let's jump into this. Number one, the first fact I want you to clearly hear about COVID-19. Number one, God did not send it. That's number one. And it's sad that I actually have to say that, but it actually has to be said. It actually has to be mentioned. So if you're putting it in the notes, number one, God did not send it. That's the first thing that needs to be said tonight. I can't even tell you, there's people that I've heard speaking on social media. I've, I've watched videos. I've watched live streams from some churches and some preachers. And there are people that are blatantly saying that God sent the virus. Like literally, there's, there's people that are blatantly saying that God sent the virus. There are others that are actually internationally known ministers that maybe they're not outright saying God sent it, but I heard one that if I said his name, every single person on this broadcast would know who it was. And he, although he didn't say outright that God sent it, he heavily hinted at the fact that he believes God sent it. And so I wanted to tell you, number one, right off the bat, God did not send the virus. And that's important to know. It's important to know that because, uh, let me give you an example. If you don't know what God is doing, if you don't know the operation and administration of God, you don't even know how to pray. You can't even know how to pray. I'll give you an example. Uh, my father was doing a revival one time and a lady came through the prayer line. And uh, she was all tore up, you know, needed a lot of miracles. And she said, Brother Shuttlesworth, I want you to pray for me. He said, Sister, how can I pray for you? What do you want me to pray for? Do you want me to pray God heals you of this disease? Oh, she said, oh, no, don't pray that God heals me of the disease. He said, then what do you want me to pray for? She said, just pray that he gives me the strength to go through it. I know he's got a greater purpose in this sickness and this disease that I'm going through. And my father said, do you really believe that? She said, oh, yes. I believe God's got a greater purpose for this thing that I'm going through and what I'm dealing with. And uh, he said, um, all right, I'll pray according to your faith. Laid hands on her. He said, God, she knows you sent this sickness for her greater good. He knows that She knows that you sent this sickness to make her a stronger believer in you. So Lord, I pray that you'd honor her faith. Don't just give her this sickness, give her many more. Lord, strike her blind, strike her deaf, and fill her body with cancer in Jesus' name. She ducked out from under his hand. She said, no, I don't, I don't want God to kill me. And he said, let me ask you a question. He said, do you take medication for the sickness that you have? She said, yes, I do. He said, you big hypocrite. She said, what do you mean by that? He said, if you believe God gave it to you for his glory and for his purpose, why are you taking medication to get rid of it if you believe he gave it to you? And she kind of hung her head and said, well, maybe I just don't have enough faith to be to be healed. He, he wouldn't even let her off the hook with that. And he said, no, you just sat through an hour plus of me preaching. You've got an hour's worth of faith on the inside of you. See, he was proving a point, making a point to her that, see, if it's truly God's will and people that, that believe that, uh, most of them don't truly believe it, but there are some who do. But you need to know right off the bat, God did not send 
COVID-19. God did not send coronavirus. It's important that you know that. It's important that you know God's nature and his character. He is a good God. He is a loving heavenly father. He's not a God that destroys us. He's a God that heals and helps us. And it's important to know that. God does not tempt us with evil, the Bible says. God does not tempt us with evil. God, let me just, let me go, uh, let me go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and show you a passage here because uh, we could, we could easily see just by its effects on our population, obviously coronavirus is killing people. We've had what, 1,500 plus deaths in the United States from COVID-19? So it's killing people. There are people dying. So let me read you a passage of scripture here as we talk about the nature and character of God. Listen to uh, 2 Corinthians 6.14. And I'm going to read on through uh, verse 16. Listen to this. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? And what accord does Christ have with the devil? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? So notice what the Apostle Paul is teaching here. God has no accord or no fellowship with the devil. It is the devil that does evil and wicked things. It is the devil that is killing people's bodies. It is the devil that's destroying people's health. God is not in partnership with the devil. I don't know when people, I don't know when people are going to get this in their mind. God is not in partnership with the devil. God doesn't do evil things. He doesn't do evil things. And so I want you to see this right off the bat right off the bat, that God is not the author or the origin of COVID-19. He doesn't do wicked things. He's not the author of 1,500 deaths in the hospital. He's not the author of thousands of people that are going through uh, issues because of this physical attack on their body. God does not do that. He is not that kind of a God. He does not destroy people. I want you to see that. So number one, the first fact. Awesome, Tiffany. Tiffany just said, I just found you through YouTube's recommendations. Thank you for being on tonight. Tiffany Anthony is joining us, I think, for the first time on YouTube. Everybody welcome, Tiffany. Good to have you. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Number one, God did not send the virus. He's not in the, in the business of destroying people in that way. Obviously, when he punishes sin, that's another thing. But he's not the one that's making people sick. I can promise you that. God is not the one who's making people sick. Not the one making people sick. And so that needs to be, see, that basis, that foundational truth has to be first. Because if you don't know the nature and the character of God, it will screw up everything else you believe in Christianity. That's where you get these screwy doctrines where people don't even understand how God works or what he does. And as a result, they believe all kinds of crazy things. And they're actually tricked into living a life of bondage 
thinking erroneously that it's God's will for them. And it's not God's will for you. Not by any means is it God's will for you. No. In fact, you know how I know? You know how I know that that that's the case? Every, now this is an important point. So I want you, well, because it's so important, let me read you a, a verse of scripture again. Hebrews chapter one. I'm giving you some doctrinal truths here that'll that'll cement you in faith for the rest of your life. These will cement you in faith. Hebrews chapter one, listen to this. Verse number three, this is speaking about Jesus Christ. When it says he, it means Jesus Christ. Verse three, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Stop right there. Stop right there. Speaking of Jesus, the Bible says that he is, catch this, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So I want you to write this in the comments section because it's an important doctrinal point. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. Put that in the comments. Very, very important point. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. Write that in the comments section and never, ever forget it. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. Because we're going somewhere with this. That's it. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. That's it. Put it in the comments. The reason that's so important is because I want you to see something. If that's true, and it is true because the Holy Spirit inspired it to be in the word of God, then we can look back through the gospels, all four gospels, and anything that you see Jesus doing is the exact nature and character of God himself. Anything you see Jesus doing, and this scripture shows us why, anything you see Jesus saying or doing is the exact nature and character of God. So for example, when we read a verse of scripture like Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for the Lord was with him. Okay, now that's an important verse, because notice what it says. He went about doing good. So notice this, number one, the things he, were, he was doing were good things. They were good things. Well, then it describes what he was doing. What was he doing? Healing all those who were oppressed by who? Who did the oppressing? The devil. The devil did the oppressing. Jesus did the healing. You won't find a place where God did the oppressing because God's not an oppressor. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit to do good and heal all that were oppressed by the devil. He's the exact radiance of the nature of God, which means that's God's desire and God's will for his people. And so I want you to understand this, very important to understand it, is that you'll, you'll not find one picture, not one, of Jesus coming into contact with somebody in the New Testament 
And, and by the way, keep in mind, I want you to keep in mind that when Jesus was alive, there were no Christians, save his disciples after his resurrection, but that's it. There were no Christians when Jesus was ministering. He hadn't died yet or been resurrected from the dead. So every person Jesus healed was a sinner. Think about that for a minute. Every person Jesus healed was a sinner. So think about this. There's not one place in the gospels where somebody came to Jesus by faith and said, will you heal me? And he said, no, actually, I can actually see by the spirit that you're one of the ones that my father has put this sickness on them so that you'll become a, a better believer in him or in me or, you know, God's using this for your greater good. You just need to recognize that. And I'm just going to pray that you have strength to bear it. You won't find one of those, not one in the gospels, not one. You'll never, and I'll, I'll give you, I'll go a step further than that. You'll never find an example of Jesus finding a healthy person and making them sick by the power of God. Never one time. Never once. You will not ever see it. He never has found a, a healthy person and made them sick. Why? Because he's the exact imprint of the nature of God. The exact imprint of the nature of God. So number one, God did not send COVID-19. Think about that. That's right. He wouldn't turn from healing someone. Of course not. No, Tiffany. He always, he always brought them healing and health. I'll go a step further than that. Did you guys know this? That when Jesus went home to his own hometown of Nazareth in Mark chapter six, the Bible says he went there with the intention of laying his hands on people and healing all their sickness and disease. And if you read verses one through six of Mark, it says that they all began to question who he was. Well, isn't this Joseph and Mary's son? Isn't this the, you know, this is Jesus. We know who he is. And, and they started mocking him and all this stuff. And the Bible says, and Jesus could do no mighty work there except laying his hands on a few sick people and healing them. And, he, and the Bible says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He didn't do it because he didn't want to do it. He didn't do it because of their unbelief. He couldn't do it because of their unbelief. He wanted to and couldn't. There's never a time in the Bible where Jesus made a healthy person sick or refused healing from a sick person. God did not send COVID-19. That's number one. Number two, second thing you need to hear, because this has been said, this has been said by preachers, and you need to understand this so very clearly tonight, so very clearly. Number two, COVID-19 is not judgment for sin. That's number two. COVID-19 is not judgment for sin, period, period. Not only did God not send it, it is not a judgment for people's sin. I'm going to prove that to you from the scripture. First of all, first of all, we're going to challenge the justice of God on this one, the integrity of God on this one. If COVID-19, and by the way, put it in the comments when we're, when we're listing these, this is number two, COVID-19 is not a judgment for sin. It is not. And I'll prove it to you from the scripture. No, and if you believe it is, then guess what? You're actually questioning the, the character, you're, you're questioning the integrity 
and you're, you're questioning the character of God. If it was a judgment for sin, okay, in the dispensation that we're living in, first thing we need to recognize is what was the point then of Jesus in this dispensation? I'm talking about the time we live now, grace. We're living before the rapture, after the law of Moses. We're living in a time of grace. If it's a judgment for sin, then what was the point of putting Jesus on the cross and putting the sins of the world onto his body and then pronouncing judgment, all judgment, onto the body of Christ on the cross of Calvary? What was the point of that? Are you telling me that there were sins? Now, listen, even unbelievers should thank God right now that we're living in a dispensation of grace because God's not judging sin right now. He will, but he's not right now. There are sins that carry their own judgment on them, but God is not pouring out his wrath on sin right now. You need to know that and you need to make that distinction that we're living in a time, a space of grace where God's giving people the opportunity to hear the gospel and to be saved before it's too late. He's not pouring out wrath on sin right now. He will, and it's coming, but it's not right now. It's not right now. The sins of the world have been placed upon Christ's body. And in this time, if we accept his sacrifice by grace through faith, we will be exempted from the wrath and judgment of God. But if we don't, if we reject the sacrifice of Christ, then that judgment comes upon us in a time past grace. The second point I want to make about this, about it not being the judge, a judgment for sins, is because if it were a judgment for sin, if it were, then there shouldn't be one Christian on the earth that gets COVID-19. There should not be one if it's a judgment for sin because every Christian is the righteousness of God in Christ. Every Christian is a part of the body of Christ, which means that if it's a judgment for sin and a Christian gets it, then that means God is judging Christ again a second time. I want you to think about that logically. Because I'm in the body of Christ. I'm actually a part of Christ's body. Think of me like an arm of Christ or a finger of Christ. Think of yourself as, you know, a shoulder of Christ or the neck of Christ, whatever you might think, whatever part of the body. Just imagine this. If COVID-19 was a judgment for sin and you're the body of Christ and you were to get COVID-19, that means God would be judging his son Jesus all over again with sickness. And he already put the sicknesses of the world onto Christ on the cross 2,000 years ago. You understand that? Oh, of course. They say all kinds of stupid things. Because of abortion, it's a judgment on the USA. The problem with that is it's, it's, it's in every nation. It's not just in the USA. So you can't say that it's a judgment because of abortion on the USA when the, the entire nation of Italy has been shut down and people all around the world. It's in every nation of the world. So you can't say that. And if, it, and if it truly was a judgment for sin, not one Christian should ever be found with a case of COVID-19. However, there's already Christians that have been found with it. There's already Christians that have been, I know some personally that have had to deal with it. We know one that got healed of it. We had Clay get on and give his testimony. Clay, are you on tonight? Throw a hand in the comment section. 
Clay Bentley got on and gave us his testimony. Not only did he have COVID-19, he had double pneumonia and he was in the hospital and God healed his body supernaturally. Well, Clay is the righteousness of God in Christ. He's a new creature in Christ Jesus. If COVID-19 is a judgment for sin, what business did Clay have catching COVID-19? What business do these other Christians that I know that have had to deal with it, what business do they have? If it's a judgment for sin, how are they being judged for sin if they're right, the righteousness of God in Christ? Explain that to me logically. How would God be just or have any integrity to put the judgment of sin on people who have accepted Jesus as their Savior? It's ridiculous. And people don't even think before they speak. It's the judgment for sin. Why are Christians dealing with it then? Makes no sense. Number one, God didn't send it. And number two, it is not by any means the judgment for sin. It is not the judgment for sin. Let me tell you, if it, if it was the judgment for sin, how why are there so many pornographers that don't have it? Let me ask you a question. If it's the judgment for sin, how come the Fulani herdsmen in Nigeria that are chopping up and stealing young girls and young boys, why aren't they all stricken to death with COVID-19? If it's if that's what it is, how come all of how come all of Al-Qaeda does not have COVID-19? Why is it that, you know, people in the Taliban are not all suffering and dying with COVID-19 if it is the judgment for sin? Explain that to me. Explain that to me. That's, that is not, that is not the answer. It is not the judgment for sin. It's not the judgment for sin. So if you hear anybody saying that, you, it shows that they don't even think logically, let alone understand the word of God. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For those of you that, are, that have your Bible open, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. The Bible says, Speaking again of Jesus, for our sake, my sake and yours, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Well, let me just say this. If you're watching the broadcast right now live, even if you're on the replay, if you are the righteousness of God in Christ, if you're a Christian, put a hand in the comment section so I know who I'm talking to. If you're here and you're on your way to heaven, put a hand in the comment section quickly. I want to see. Yeah, exactly, Ruth. Why doesn't all of Hollywood have it if it's a judgment for sin? So if you're a Christian, throw a hand in the comment section so I see who I'm talking to. I want to see it. Look at the hands. A lot of believers on. Look at the hands going up. A lot of believers in the house tonight. Okay. Well, that's the case. The Bible says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. So explain to me, explain to me how if, if this is a judgment for sin, why is it that God who put the sins of the world upon him that knew no sin, Jesus, so that we could become the righteousness of God. If we're the righteousness of God, what business does any person have dealing with COVID-19 if it's a judgment for sin, which it's not? 
you would have to completely say, listen to this, listen to me closely. You would have to completely say that the act, the redemptive act of the crucifixion was a total waste of time. That's what you'd have to argue if you were in a debate and tried to back the position that COVID-19 is a judgment for sin. You would have to also say that the redemptive act of crucifixion, death, and resurrection was a total waste of time. Because although all the sins of the world were put on Christ and he took the punishment and took our, uh, uh, took our actual wrath for us, God's still pouring out some wrath on those who accepted that sacrifice for themselves by faith. Grace through faith. What a, what a ridiculous thing to say. And there's been preachers that have said it. I tell you, God's judging America for the sins of America. COVID-19 has come down from heaven and he's judging the sin of the world. No, he's not. Read your Bible, genius. He's not doing that. We're not in a time of judgment right now. We are not in a time of judgment right now. We're in a time of grace. Time of grace. Shadow Fox is one step ahead of me on YouTube because now I'm going to give you number three. Number three, if you're taking notes, I want you to put it down. Third fact, third Bible fact about COVID-19. It is one of the signs of the end times. That's number three. COVID-19 is one of the signs of the end times. I want you to turn with me to the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, and the 21st chapter of the gospel of Luke. Look with me. Luke 21 verses 10 and 11. This is Jesus Christ himself prophesying about the end times. Listen to what he says. Verse 10 and 11. And then he said to them, that's Jesus, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Terrors and great signs from heaven and pestilences. I want you to hear this. We're having more earthquakes around the world. They're telling us that we've had more earthquakes in the earth since World War II than in the history of the earth. Think about that. We're having earthquakes in places that have never had earthquakes before, ever. They're having them now. And I like, you know, Shadow Fox put it as Jesus put it. These are the beginning of birth pains. What, what, is, what is happening here? Uh, as I as I preached the other night, Jesus compares the earth to a pregnant woman that's about to give birth. And you know what happens. The contractions, the birth pains, the contractions, they get closer and closer together and they increase in intensity before birth takes place. They get closer and closer together and they increase in intensity. That's exactly what Jesus said would take place. He said all these wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and famine and earthquakes it's not that they've never been around before. It's that before he comes in, in his second coming, they will increase in frequency and they will increase in intensity. 
And this is just one of those pestilences, one of the plagues that the Bible says that we would see in the final moments of time. It is not the sign of the end times. It's just one of the many signs of the end times. Uh, You know, I know I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, Shadow Fox, and I preached about seven reasons from the Bible why a couple of nights ago. Please go back and watch the broadcast. Seven strong Bible reasons why I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And so these are the signs that signal the end times. It's not the sign. Don't point at COVID-19 and say, this is the sign of the end. No, it's not the sign of the end. It's one of the signs that Jesus listed to the disciples about when he was coming back. So no question about it. It's one of the signs, just like anything else that's going on that Jesus listed, just like earthquakes, just like famines, just like wars, just like rumors of wars, just like acts of terror, all of these things, violence. You know, did you know that Jesus said that in the last days that the earth would become like it was in the days of Noah? Extreme corruption, extreme violence. We're seeing those two things right now. We're seeing those two things like we the things that are happening right now, we've never seen anything like them in history. Never. Not with the frequency we're seeing them now. Never. 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 I mean, you can point back at one event, you know, or or one, two, three, or four events throughout history. You could point at the Holocaust. You could point at things that happened in Russia. You could point at what Stalin did, Mao, Mao Zedong. You could, point, you could point at those things. And there are extremely horrific events from the past. But I'm talking about with the frequency and the widespread uh, uh, effect of it. Right now, like never before. Like never before. It would be like it was in the days of Noah. Extreme corruption, extreme violence. He then said it'll be like it was in the days of Lot. Extreme, open, brazen sexual perversion. And it's what we're seeing now. Nobody's ashamed anymore for what for the actions they take. They don't care. They want to be, not only do they want to be proud of them, they want you to be proud of them for doing it and come and, and, and doing it publicly. No, no, I don't want you to condemn me for what I believe. I want you to praise me like I'm praising myself for my open brazen actions. I want you to praise me. I want, I want to be placed, I want all of this to be placed center stage. Center stage in movies, center stage in television shows, center stage in music videos, center stage in literature, center stage everywhere, in colleges, on college campuses. I want everything. I want that equality to be seen across the board. It's exactly what Jesus prophesied would happen. These are many signs that Christ is coming back. And COVID-19 is just one of the signs of the end times. It falls in line with everything else that Jesus said would take place. Everything else that Jesus said would take place. So number three tonight, COVID-19 is one of the signs of, exactly. Yeah, my friend Robert Conover said it's, and these things being deemed virtuous, virtuous. Oh, isn't that wonderful how much diversity we have? Isn't it great how much diversity? Isn't it funny that it it, it makes me laugh that they will, and I said this the other night, it makes me laugh that they will celebrate the rights of a certain group of people who, by the way, have an anti-Christ spirit. They'll celebrate those rights in the world, but then they will infringe upon the rights of the church in the same exact breath. 
Hear what I'm saying in the same exact breath. What do I mean by that? Well, if you've got, if you've got a personal business and you're a Christian, for example, making wedding cakes, they will celebrate the LGBTQ community's decision to stand up and, and come out and be themselves and all this other stuff. But in the same breath of praising their diversity and their free choice and their pride, they will then infringe upon the Christian business owner that makes wedding cakes and say, if you don't celebrate and make this cake for this group that you don't even agree with and that your Bible actually condemns, then we'll shut you down permanently because you don't celebrate what your Bible deems sinful. So in the same breath that they celebrate the diversity of the LGBTQ community, they infringe upon the rights of the Christian community. You know what they're trying to do? And it's an active thing. That's why so many uh, churches have had to be uh, change their bylaws and everything. Because the next thing is this. We're going to come into churches that you know don't agree with this, and we're going to demand that they let us use their building for our marriages. And so churches have had to change a few things around in their bylaws uh, so that that doesn't take place. But what's the whole point? It's not that they want to be married in your church. It's that so that now when I come in and say, I want to be married in your church, if you say, no, we don't let homosexuals be married in the church, then what do they do? They sue you for everything you're worth and take your building and take your money. Why? Because in the same breath that they celebrate the diversity of the LGBTQ community, they infringe upon the rights of those of us who have a religion. Isn't it, you know what? You know who else is against homosexuality? Seriously against it? And if you go to other nations, so against it that they actually uh, kill them is the nation of Islam, Muslims. Muslims are against homosexuality. Show me the LGBTQ community that are demanding that the mosques allow them to use their spaces for their weddings so that they can come against the mosques and shut the mosques down. Let me tell you something. You're not going to find it. Not just in America, especially in other nations. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. They take advantage of the fact that we have a religion of love and peace and forgiveness. They take advantage of that fact, knowing that we're not, we, you know, we, they take advantage of the fact Christians don't carry machetes around. Christians don't carry machetes around (laughs) and they're taking full advantage of that fact that we're a religion of a true religion of love and peace, not one that just purports to be, we actually are one. And it's just a sign of the end times. Christ is coming soon. And these are all signs that he's coming. These are all signs that he's coming, all of these things. And COVID-19 is just one of the many, just one of the many. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, you do realize there are nations where they're still, you know, there are, there are nations under Sharia law where they're still killing homosexuals because, you know, the nation of Islam is not for homosexuality, but when do you see the LGBTQ community harassing the you know muslims and mosques and imams you don't see it you don't see it especially in other nations you don't see it but they'll harass and stand on the the rights in america of christians of christians because they know that we are truly a lovely a loving peaceful and forgiving religion and all they want with an antichrist spirit is to take 
the rights and the resources of those that serve God. You know why they don't care about uh, Muslims and others? Is because Antichrist spirit meets Antichrist spirit. Antichrist spirit meets Antichrist spirit. They're in league. Whether the, whether the Muslims know they are or not, they're in league. Same spirit, antichrist spirit. Bottom line. So number three, COVID-19 is just a sign of the end times. Amen. Number four, I want you to write this down in the comments. Number four, COVID-19 will not destroy the church slash you. It will not destroy the church slash you. I want you to write it down. That's number four. COVID-19 will not destroy the church and it will not destroy you in Jesus' name. Doesn't have the ability to do it. Matthew chapter 16. Because there's also people getting up in arms. And let me tell you, I'm one of them. You've heard me say it, that I think the closing of churches is not just something that's being done, uh, you know, randomly or flippantly. I think it's part of a bigger package personally. And I think that any infringement, I want to be clear about this. I think any infringement on the church is wrong in America. Any, and I'm talking, I don't mean wrong, like religiously wrong. I mean, like legally wrong. You know, First Amendment kind of wrong, by the way. Let's go back to it. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The free exercise. If I cannot freely exercise and peaceably assemble, you have stolen my constitutional right, according to the First Amendment. You've stolen it. People are acting like it's not a real thing. I had somebody trying to give me a hard time online because a hundred years ago during another plague, this was, this was said, that this was said before. Well, they, they stopped church a uh, hundred years ago too. Just because they said it a hundred years ago or did it doesn't mean it was constitutional then and it doesn't mean it's constitutional now, genius. Just because someone says or does something doesn't mean it, you know, just because the government gives a, a, an order doesn't mean it's constitutionally accurate. That's why we have the Supreme Court. Hello. That's why we have the Supreme Court. And so I want you to understand this. Let me bring it up to you again. If I cannot freely exercise my religion and peaceably assemble to freely exercise my religion, you have stolen, you have stolen my constitutional right. Bottom line, you've stolen it. And they're trying to get by with it now. You know, carting Dr. Rodney Howard Brown off to prison. <laughs> I mean, give me a break. Where this makes me laugh. This makes me laugh that you've got churches that are uh, being considered dangerous places to assemble. Meanwhile, somehow, because of the word essential, Target is somehow magically not a dangerous place. Somehow, Walmart is magically not a dangerous place. Somehow Planned Parenthood is magically not a Somehow the weed shops and the liquor stores is not a dangerous place. Well, I wonder what it is. I wonder what curbs 
um, the the effects of of COVID nineteen in these buildings. Oh, the government's a stamp of approval called essential. Oh wow, amazing! I went to Home Depot during this whole round. It was jammed to the walls with people, people out picking up flowers and just doing nothing essential. Picking up flowers for their garden stuff. Literally, essential, essential. COVID nineteen will not destroy the church. And it will not destroy you. I want you to hear this because I, I do. Although you you've heard what I what I said and what I do truly and, and fully believe, which is that churches should not be stopped, churches should not be shut down, churches should not be infringed upon. No, nothing that the government does should ever affect what the church is able or allowed to do ever, ever. But as people are shutting down, let me just say this to you. It will not destroy the church. And I know there's pastors and leaders, spiritual leaders that are worried about what's going to happen to their ministries and what's going to happen during this time. We don't know how long it's going to last. And there's people that are, there are people that are, that are nervous. There's people that are afraid. Let me tell you something. It won't destroy the church. It's not going to destroy the church and it's not going to destroy you in Jesus name. There's nothing that can be launched in this world, in this earth that can destroy the church. Nothing, nothing can. I'm not worried. I'm not shook. I'm not afraid. I'm not nervous. Nothing can destroy the church. Nothing can destroy you. Listen to uh, Matthew chapter 16. The Bible says this, and I love this. Matthew chapter 16 Jesus, let me read verse 15. Jesus said to to Peter, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now look at verse 18. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What did Jesus say? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's nothing that can happen. I want you to hear this. There's nothing that can happen that will destroy the church. Let me tell you, the strongest In the, in the history of the church, I think you could make an argument and say this, that the strongest opposition to the church that ever existed was in the first three centuries of the church. From AD, you know, 90, all the way to 313 was the strongest, where they're torturing, killing Christians, throwing them to lions, crucifying them, cutting them up. Nothing. I mean, for what? 200 years. For 200 plus years, extreme persecution of Christians and the church. And what happened during that time? Did it stop Christianity? Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. During the first 200 years of Christianity, when it was a death penalty, when they, when they you know, literally tortured and killed you for being a Christian, let me ask you this. Did it destroy the church or did the church flourish? And the answer for 300 is that the church flourished around the world. And 
Christianity grew like a weed and they could not keep it down and they could not stop it. Not only that, let me let me go on further to say that the scriptures, this is another study all by itself, but the holy scriptures that we have were copied and distributed throughout the whole region where the church was growing to the point that we're still today finding copies of scriptures being dug up by archaeologists and we have more copies of the New Testament documents than far more copies of the New Testament documents than any other writing in history. That's how much it flourished. It flourished so much that the word of God went everywhere, was published abroad, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people were saved by the power of God. Not only that, they were uh, willing to give their lives for the fact that Jesus was had been risen, uh, had been resurrected from the dead, and were willing to die to affirm that fact. Persecution was far heavier than it had ever ever been till now, ever been, and the church flourished. The church flourished. You know why? You can't destroy the church. Jesus even said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So let me give you an encouraging word tonight. COVID-19 doesn't have the, it doesn't even hold a candle to things that have happened in the past and it doesn't have the ability to destroy the church. It will never do it. It won't even come close. We'll look back. It won't even be a little scratch on the, uh, you know, Think of the church as an iceberg throughout history. It won't even be a little scratch on the top of the iceberg. Not at all. Not at all. There are far more things happening that we could talk about behind the scenes. Far more things. That's why I believe much of this is contrived. And that is not, by the way, conspiracy theory. I believe there's a lot more going on. You think it's some kind of... Do you honestly think that it's some kind of... um, a coincidence that this happened during one of the most important election years in the last hundred years? Do you honestly believe that? That it's some coincidence? Do you honestly believe that it's some... I mean, if you do, God bless you. If you do, God bless you. And I understand that it's happening worldwide. Trust me, I do. Trust me, I understand fully. Do you... Well, where did it start? Do you... I mean, I'm not, I'm not giving you conspiracy theories. I'm just asking questions. I mean, you know... Uh, President Trump made all these moves, shutting down these things with China, and then all of a sudden, after all these uh, all these moves he's made, shutting down these these trade uh, options with China, all of a sudden there's a uh, a big plague that comes out of China and, and hits America full force. I mean, like that's so you think that's a coincidence? All these things that are lining up during an election year, you know. I'm just saying, if you think it's a coincidence, God bless you. God bless you. So I just want to encourage you that COVID-19 will not destroy the church and it will not destroy you in the mighty name of Jesus. It will not destroy the church and it will not destroy you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. It's not going to destroy this nation's economy. It's not going to destroy the church's economy because we're not on this world's economy. It's not going to destroy your economy in Jesus' mighty name. You will be blessed even if the world's in a mess. You will be blessed even if the world is in a mess in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You will not be. I saw a funny, I, I saw a funny, uh, oh yeah. Oh, th- think about that. Carissa's making a great point. I want you to imagine what this situation would look like 
if Hillary Clinton was the president of the United States of America in 2020. Imagine what this situation would look like if she was the president of, of the United States. Imagine what it would look like for churches if she was the president of the United States of America. Just think about it for a minute and, th- and see what you come up with. I saw a funny thing today, though. <laughs> this made me. This actually made me laugh, a little tongue-in-cheek. It said, um, you want to get rid of the coronavirus extremely quickly? Just convince it to, to testify against Hillary Clinton. <laughs> you want to see something disappear quickly? Tell the coronavirus to testify against Hillary Clinton. I agree. I agree. So I'm just telling you, it's not going to destroy the nation. It's not going to destroy the church. And it's not going to destroy you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. In fact, I want you to say it by faith tonight. I will not be destroyed. I want you to just declare it. I will not be destroyed. I want you to put it right in the comments section and never stop confessing it. I will not be destroyed. No wicked thing, no foreign thing, nothing that comes against the people of God has the authority or the power to destroy the people of God. No weapon that is formed against you can be allowed to prosper. No weapon. I don't care what the weapon is. You will not be destroyed in Jesus' mighty name. Hey, Lehow, I love you. I will not be destroyed in Jesus' name. That's it. By faith, write it. Write it. I will not. You will not. The church will not be destroyed. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we will not be destroyed. Are you kidding me? This thing doesn't have the resources to destroy us. It doesn't have the power to destroy us. It doesn't have the authority to destroy us. The church will thrive and God's people will thrive in Jesus' mighty name. Let me give you number five before I pray for you. Let me just give you a quick refresher. Number one, God didn't send it. These are five biblical facts about COVID-19. Number one, God didn't send it. Number two, it is not a judgment for sin. Number three, It is one of the signs of the end times and the second coming of Christ. Number four, it will not destroy the church and it will not destroy you in Jesus' name. And then finally, number five, the fifth biblical fact about COVID-19, it is not greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. Number five, it is not greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. You do not need to be afraid. Let me let me go back and read again here in uh, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. Listen to this. The Bible says, I'm reading from Psalm 91 once again. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. There it is. From the deadly pestilence, he'll cover you with his pinions and under his wings, you'll find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Listen to me. Verse five, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence 
that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but these things will not touch you in Jesus' name. These things will not touch you in Jesus' mighty name. No way. I refuse to be afraid. Don't be afraid of the pestilence that stalks in the night. Do not be afraid. Why? Because the coronavirus, COVID-19, is not greater than the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not greater. It doesn't have that kind of power. It doesn't have that kind of power. First Peter. That's why I love these, that's why I love these testimonies, like from Evan. Or not Evan, but uh, just his name just slipped my mind. I just saw Evan come on. It's not it, not Evan. <laughs> That's why I love these testimonies, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the devil launches against you. It cannot destroy you, cannot take you out. Clay, Clay Bentley, double pneumonia, COVID-19, in the hospital, God heals him perfectly. We prayed for Pastor Dean Myers, and they gave us the report. His breathing got better and better and better, and the doctors talk about sending him home. He was in the ICU. I want you to hear this. The blood of Jesus is greater. The blood of Jesus is greater. Kristen is asking, um, I have an off-topic question. Hold on. Uh, what does Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Sounds like Hebrew or something, but I heard you and Jonathan said. That's the story of the three Hebrew young men that were contemporaries of Daniel in the book of Daniel chapter six, who refused to bow to the King's statue when he set it up and said, everybody, when you hear the music bow to me. And when the, when the music played, they refused to bow. And so the three of them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the three Hebrew young men that refused to worship the King and worshiped only God and were thrown in the furnace for it. That's what Jonathan and I were, were both, um, we're both referencing. Excellent quote from Pastor Bill Motley. When you stand on the word, you're standing in the blood. When you stand on the word, you're standing in the blood. That's exactly right. The word of God is the highest force in the universe. The Bible says uh, in Psalm 138 and verse two, that God has magnified his word above his name. His word is the highest force in all of the universe. And so understand this, it is not greater than the blood of Jesus. Let me read to you 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. The Bible says, um, and this is Peter writing, he himself, talking about Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness and by his wounds you have been healed not will be healed, have been healed. Past tense, it's already done. And the blood of Jesus carries more power than COVID-19. The blood of Jesus carries more power than COVID-19. You cannot be destroyed by something that is less powerful than what's on the inside of you. The Bible says that the greater one is on the inside of you. The greater one. The Bible declares in Romans 8, 11, that the same spirit that raised Christ up from the dead lives in your physical body. 
You are filled tonight with a life-giving spirit. The same power that took a dead man and shook that dead body back to life is the same power that's living on the inside of your body tonight. Do you not know, Paul said to the Corinthians, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? He lives in you, dwells in you, and his power flows through your body. It's flowing through your body tonight. And I'm praying that every person that's battling sickness, disease, that's another thing. Thank you, George, for bringing that up. Thank you, George, for bringing that up because I want to say that too. He said COVID is under Jesus' feet. That's right. It's not just under Jesus' feet. Let me go further because the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 6, 5 and 6, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ and by grace have you been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Well, where is he sitting? Listen to this, verse 21 of the first chapter. Jesus is sitting, same place that we're seated with him, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. COVID is so far under our feet, it's not even funny. It's not right under your feet. It is far under your feet. It's not right under your soles of your feet. You can't touch it, it you, because you've been raised so far above it, so far above it. Kara, the name of that man of God who was a, a doctor and became a preacher is Dr. John G. Lake, where the bubonic plague died in his hand. It's in his life story. In South Africa, it was done. So far above it. It cannot touch you. It cannot destroy you. And at the end of this broadcast, I'm going to pray. I hope your faith has been built because these are five biblical things. If you missed it or if you just logged on, let me give them to you again. Five biblical facts about COVID-19. Number one, God didn't send it. Number two, it is not a punishment or a judgment for sin. Number three, it is one of the signs that Jesus is coming soon. Number four, it will not destroy the church and it will not destroy you. And number five, it's not greater than the blood of Jesus Christ over your life. So I want you to bow your head all, wherever you're watching. I want you to bow your head and pray with me as I pray the prayer of faith over every person watching. And if you're battling in your physical body, I don't care if it's COVID or not, whatever's coming against you, it has to be destroyed by the power of the Holy Ghost. He is a healer and he heals all sickness and he heals all disease. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for your precious and wonderful people tonight. Lord, would you touch them? I ask you to send healing virtue to them wherever they are. Make them whole by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray whatever sickness, whatever disease is touching your people tonight, destroy it by the mighty fire of your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you'll get all the glory and the praise for every miracle, every healing, for you're the only one that can do these things we're talking about. So, Lord, we rebuke every sickness. We bind it 
Every spirit of infirmity that tries to touch your people, we command it to leave their body and leave their house in Jesus' name. We thank you that peace and joy are coming upon them. Healing virtue comes upon them. And in the name of Jesus, we thank you that we are healed in Jesus' mighty name. I pray that you give people boldness to stand up for what they believe in these uh, moments of time that we're living in. I pray that joy and peace will flood the homes and minds of God's people in Jesus' name. We thank you that the hedge of protection has been set around our homes, our children, our grandchildren, wives and husbands, that no evil thing can come near our dwelling place. No plague can touch our bodies. We're seated far above it in Jesus' mighty name. We give you glory, we give you honor and praise in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody shout a loud amen. If you believe it, shout it in the comments. Shout it, lift your hands in the comments. If you receive it, if you believe it, somebody declare it is done in Jesus' name. It is done in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. I'm gonna give you an opportunity right now to sow the final seed of the month of March. The last seed that you may sow in the month of March. Setting yourself up for the greatest second quarter that you've ever had by faith. How do we do these things? We activate God's system of sowing and reaping by faith. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you this opportunity. This is, what are we in? March 31st. Tomorrow starts a, not only a new month, a new quarter, a new quarter of the year. And we're stepping in in total victory, total victory. We will not go backwards. We go forwards by the power of the Holy Ghost. We always increase. We never stop increasing. We never stop increasing. The Bible says the path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. We won't stop increasing. You can't stop our increase in Jesus' name. And so in just a moment, we're going to pray. Thank you, Tiffany, so much for subscribing. I appreciate that. I hope you enjoyed it the first time you've ever been here with us. Once again, if, it, if everybody appreciated Tiffany coming into the broadcast, YouTube's working for me. Put me in the recommended for you section. Thank Tiffany for being with us on YouTube, everybody that's watching. We love you, Tiffany. Thanks for hanging with us. Hope you come back tomorrow. I'm live, by the way, every Monday through Friday, Tiffany, at 1030 a.m., and I've been going live every single night at 7 p.m. And so we'd love to see you back again. Thank you, Mendy, for sowing a seed. Others have already sown. Deepa, thank you for sowing a seed. This is the final uh, opportunity to sow a seed in the month of March before we cross over into a new quarter. And so we're gonna, we're gonna step out in faith tonight, setting ourselves up for the best. Oh, thank you. That's very, that's very kind of you to say. Karen told you you're like family now, Tiffany. Um. This is the final moments. If you are on uh, if you are on Periscope or Twitter or Facebook, you can put hashtag donate in the comments section like you see in the on the screen. If you're on YouTube or listening on the podcast, uh, you can always go to miracleword.com and uh, and you can sow a seed there. What's the time difference in Alaska? Uh, we're well, currently right now here on the East Coast, it's 8:19 p.m. You're what six hours behind? So it's 2:19 in Alaska right now. I think it's six hours back there. So this is New York City time where I'm at. I'm in the Miami area. Uh, if you're on uh, YouTube, you, thank you, Arion. Good, to, I appreciate that. We love you guys. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can go to miracleword.com and uh, sow a seed there. I had a beautiful woman just step into the studio to give me an update. 
And she said, tomorrow, and by the way, the beautiful woman was my wife, just so you don't think there's just like beautiful women coming into the studio. Um, <laughs> it's probably better, Brandon, uh, to give through the website. He's asking, uh, how much does Facebook keep? It's not Facebook that keeps it. It's the company goodworld.me. Um, but it's probably percentage wise, it's probably better to give on the website than it is through Goodworld. But Goodworld makes it so simple for people that want to just give in the comments. My wife, by the way, that stepped in. It was not just some random beautiful woman. It was my wife. I thought I'd make that clear. Um, tomorrow, April the 1st, April the 1st, brand new Miracle Word Kids mission and challenge for all of your children and grandchildren. We got something um, brand new coming up starting for the month of April tomorrow. So keep your ear to the ground. Keep your eyes to social media. Um, we're going to be announcing it. It's going to be a little bit different than what we've been doing. We've been doing straight up um, Bible reading missions. Um, but this month of April for the kids, we've got a little bit, a uh, little bit, something a little bit different for them. It's going to be so awesome and interactive for your children too. So uh, that starts tomorrow and we'll be announcing it as well. It's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah, Cash App as well. If you'd like to give by Cash App, that's a good question. Um, I, I believe that all these, uh, Kristen's asking, does, does Cash App allow you to keep 100% of what's given or sown to the ministry? Um, I think all of these companies uh, take a, a little portion for their company. So whether it's PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, uh, hashtag donate, even credit cards do that. You know, Visa keeps a small portion, uh, MasterCard, every, you know, obviously that's how their business is run. And so I think every, uh, every outlet takes a small portion. So don't worry about that so much. We're not, we're not worried about it. We understand that it, it takes money for businesses to run and, uh, it's not a problem, but thank you. And listen, thanks to everybody that's sowing seeds on the website. We've prayed and asked the Lord to attach to us people that will stand and, and uh, faithfully so. And let me just say this too. We've been sending these out. These have been so great. Um, this is such a phenomenal tool. And we just recently found out about these this year. And this has become one of my favorite things. For everybody that's sowing $1,000 or more uh, in partnership, we're sending these phenomenal life ap application study Bibles. This is a genuine leather Bible, which is so hard for some reason to find anymore. You can't even hardly go to like Barnes and Noble and find a genuine leather Bible anymore. It's like crazy. I guess people, I know it's expensive to, to make them and people must not buy them very much. But these, if I could show you, these things have, uh, these things that are written inside these Bibles, the, these notes and study notes and stuff, so much great uh, content in here along with the scripture to help you uh, go deeper and study. It's just, it's a lot of deep notes and they're great. They're really great. They go behind the scenes, give you the history. They give you the timeline, all kinds of stuff. It's great. And so I've been using mine. We're going to send you one of these to everybody that's sewing a thousand dollars or more. And by the way, since it is the last day of March, we're also going to be sending out, uh, this book by brother AA Allen, the price of God's miracle working power, uh, for everybody that sows $85 or more throughout the month. And uh, by the way, since we are on uh, the last day of March, do me a favor. And if you have sown this month, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and fill out that form so we know that we have your address. We know where you sowed your seed and we can make sure we get this book to you as soon 
as possible. I thought I'd make that update uh, for those that are uh, that have been sewing. Yeah, I agree, Andrew. The footnotes are phenomenal. Oh, by the way, I wanted to make mention of this because you guys know I love uh, study Bibles and stuff. Oh, wow. That's awesome, Tiffany. Um, I found that new NET, the New English Translation, uh, that has the scholar's notes in it, the translator's notes, 60,000 translator's notes. It's one of the greatest tools. Uh, I'd bought a hard copy um, at Barnes & Noble because I had never seen I just like, it just showed up and I was like, man, I got to get that. And then I saw they had it for the iPad. I, I purchased it there. Man, it shows you every uh, decision translators made going from Hebrew to English or Greek to English. It is so amazing to see the behind the scenes of that stuff. It's a great study tool. If you have an opportunity to to get one of those, they sell them in all these um, all these different uh, Bible apps, like the Bible, the Olive Tree Bible Reader, you know, different ones like that. Check it out, man, Robert. That's something you would love. It's called the new the NET. Yeah, the net. It's called the NET, like uh, no, like translators notes edition or something like that. 60,000 notes. Rob, you got to go on and just check out just the notes on John chapter one, verse one. It's like a full page of notes just on that one verse. And it's deep, man. It's good stuff. It'll get you stirred up. And, uh, I love that. I love that, um, study of the scripture. That's one of my favorite studies that I, bibliology, how we got our Bible, you know, the trans, all that, the transmission, the translation, the canon of scripture. I'm going to start doing some videos, I think soon for our YouTube channel on um, the backgrounds so that you guys better understand the backgrounds of English Bible translations, where they stand on the scale, uh, some of the pros and cons of different translations for you guys to see. Because I think people don't really understand the all the why do we have so many different English translations of the Bible? You know, like why are there so many? And um, just trying to give you, you know, why they were decided to why they decided to make those translations, uh, you know, all that stuff. Uh, it it'll help a lot of people to understand. Well, how come the apocryphal books aren't in our Bible? Why are they in the Catholic Bible but they're not in ours? And are they the Word of God? And what about things like the Book of Enoch? And I think those would really help people as they're studying the Bible. So I'm going to start doing some short videos like that for YouTube. Uh, talking about Bible translations and the background of scripture. And I think it'd be awesome. We also are going to do a, a course for Miracle Word University on bibliology, uh, how we got our Bible, how we know it's inerrant, all that stuff. And it's going to help a lot of people. So I love you guys so much and I appreciate you sewing. Thanks for hanging with me. I know your faith was built tonight. I'll be back in the morning, 1030 a.m. Eastern time. Don't want to miss it. It's going to be great. And uh, by the way, if you didn't know this, if you're just logging on, um, we have something called Miracle Word University. It's online courses that we keep extremely affordable. It's only $69 a course. That gives you like five hours of teaching in each course. This is a bundle of all courses available currently that we have, and we gave it to you at a 28% discount. Um, and so you can get all four courses, like 20 hours of teaching for only $199, that's like 50 bucks a month. We, we give you that option to do it over four months. And um, and so these are all available at miraclewordu.com. Miracleword and the letter U.com. And uh, these will 
hugely, not only build your faith, give you information you might not have ever had and equip you for what God's called you to do. So as, we, uh, as we're ending the uh, broadcast tonight, I'm going to give you a, for those of you that are new to the broadcast, I'm going to give you a preview of what Miracle Word University is like, what one of the courses looks like. And this is from our newest course, Mountain Moving Faith. And so I love you. Enjoy it as we log off tonight. Thanks to everybody that's sowing and giving. Uh, and I'm going to be back with you tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m. I love you guys so much. Have a blessed night and enjoy this preview to the new course, Mountain Moving Faith. Talk to you soon. So in this video, I want to quickly show you something that I was speaking about in a previous video, and that is when we were talking about the measure of faith, uh, one of the warnings that uh, I give you and that you find in the scripture is to not exceed your measure of faith. And there's a reason that we talk about this. It is, I mentioned in the uh, previous video that it's damaging to you if you try to operate outside of your measure of faith. In the same way that it would be, uh, I use the analogy of going to the gym. And if you tried to lay down on the bench press and put more weight on the bar than your body can handle, although you might be able to get to that weight one day, you're not there today. And so trying to operate in that level of strength when you're not there would end up being damaging to your body. If you didn't injure your uh, shoulders or strain your muscles lifting that weight, you would actually just drop the weight on yourself and maybe crush your chest. And so it's important to understand that you should never exceed your measure of faith. As we showed you in Romans chapter 12, the Bible says God has apportioned or dealt out to every man a measure of faith. And so it's important that you understand that you are currently at a certain level of faith. And uh, as we read that, uh, I'll read it to you from the NASB in this video, uh, Romans 12, 3. The Bible says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So there is a measure to your faith. It's at a certain level right now. You should never try to do things that are beyond that level. I'll give you an example of that in a bit, but let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, 17. 1 Corinthians 7, 17. Listen to this. Paul writes, only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. You see that? Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. So don't walk outside of the manner in which God's called you and assigned you and purposed you. Let's go on. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. Listen to this. But we will not boast beyond our measure. You see that? We'll not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere, which God apportioned to us as a measure, to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach you, for we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. So understand what Paul's teaching here. We're not overextending our measure. We're not going beyond what we should be doing. We are operating within the sphere of our apportioned measure of faith. It's important to stay within your measure. 
Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, the Bible says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then finally, let me read to you 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11. The Bible says, Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God, and whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So from these verses of scripture that I'm reading you, you can see and understand that there's a measure of faith in which, in which you're currently standing that God has blessed you with and that you've grown to that level that, as Paul taught, you should never try to operate outside of your measure of faith. And one of the ways to ensure that you never operate outside the measure of your faith. And this is so very important to listen and adhere to this thought. One of the best ways, and I'd say it's the best way to ensure you'll never operate outside your measure of faith to the harm of yourself, your family, your ministry, whatever, is to only ever do what God called you to do and only ever do what he is directing you to do. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.